Welcome, everyone, to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number 83. We're joining you every week to talk IT career progression and bring you the advice we wish we'd been given earlier in our careers. I'm your host, John White, at VJourneyman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore. Hey, Nick, how's it going? Hey, John, I'm doing great. We are both pre-sales technical engineers with backgrounds in IT operations. We hope our career discussions will be vendor neutral, relevant across disciplines, and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to virtual enlightenment. So let's take a trip. Awesome, Nick. Hey, um, it is the holiday weekend as we're recording this, so I hope uh, you're doing well. I, I think this is probably going to go out just after the holiday, though. So I uh, hope um, our American listeners are having a good holiday weekend. Yeah, we've definitely heard some fireworks outside, but the, you know what, John? That is not nearly as explosive as the content that we have for listeners this week. Ooh, that's right. Who are we talking to this week? We're talking to Brad Pinkston. He's a director of global solutions consultants at VMware, a guy who's been in management for several years, and I thought he'd had some great nuggets to share with our listeners. You know, we've had some folks on to talk about that journey to management, and this is just another great perspective, I think. Awesome. If you are thinking about people management as a career path, this is going to be a great episode for you to listen to. And of course, in tr classic Nerd Journey fashion, it's going to be great two episodes for you to listen to. So here's Brad Pinkston on the path to people management. Brad Pinkston, thanks for joining us on the Nerd Journey podcast. Absolutely, guys. It's a pleasure. It's been a while since I got to see either one of y'all. <laughs> Can you tell us um, who you are and what you do, what your your day-to-day -day job is right now? Yeah, certainly. So, uh, Brad Pinkston, I am currently a director of global solutions consultants at VMware. So what that actually means, if you decipher my title, is uh, my team's responsible for the, uh, the technical side of the sales relationship for six of our global brands. So uh, that includes Apple, Intel, McKesson, Walgreens. PNC Bank and Chevron. So my team is responsible for just the overall technical sales relationship between those companies and VMware. Gotcha. So I think we might have mentioned it before, but a lot of sales organizations tend to segment their business into kind of um, aisles or categories. And at VMware, I believe the globals are kind of the, the largest of the large, um, right in the title, companies that oftentimes uh, span more than one continent. You got it. Yeah, uh, it would be those companies that operate in every theater, right? America's EMEA, APJ, um, and to the comment about the, the largest companies, like I think the overall segment even in the business is only like 140 customers, and that includes all the different theaters. Right, gotcha, okay. Wow. And a solutions consultant, is that a fancy name for an SE? 
<laughs> or is you it something different? <laughs> yes, I I, uh, I would say it is a fancy name for an SE. I mean, I think it does, you know, highlight the role is a little bit different, uh, you know, but not significantly different. The same way that, you know, uh, what what people would expect out of an enterprise SE where they represent the, the whole company, uh, you know, across every different business unit, every different solution. My team does the exact same thing. I would imagine that just as there's a difference between people who um, play that role uh, between for you know medium-sized businesses and the enterprise segment, you know, there's maybe larger companies have larger problems, you know, requiring slightly different skill sets. That that's you know again the case when you move to globals. Just you know, even larger organizations have even larger problems, and sometimes they can be chopped up into many organizations. Yeah, very true. You know, and a lot of times, um, you know, I remind my team that while, you know, our co- our customers are having the same problems that enterprise customers are having, VMware has just invested more in their time so that they can dig in deeper. You know, my, my each of my team only has one customer where your normal enterprise SE might have three to five or, or something like that. So my guys just get the opportunity to dig in and, you know, build a deeper relationship and, and, and put a custom spin on those same problems where it might be a sales play or, you know, just a, a, a canned response that you would have with another customer. So I would say that, you know, that's the difference in the, the SE or the global solutions consultant other than, than the title, but it doesn't mean the job significantly different. Gotcha. So if we go back in our time machine, Brad, can you talk a little bit just briefly about how you got to where you are and what made you want to go into people management? Uh, well, if I, it matters how far back in the time machine we go, Nick, but if I go, you know, all the way back, I, I like, you know, there's a, a few, you know, th- uh, I guess decision points or, you know, things that I think about as pivotal moments in my, my career. Um, I, I won't go any further back than when I, I moved to Dallas, but I was actually an IT director and IT department of two. So let's not get too focused on the director title, right? But uh, I, I wanted to, to find something more uh, security at a bigger company. And so the first uh, opportunity that I had, which was out of, you know, the admin and engineer uh kind of role and skill set that I'd played for a long time was a project management position. Um, You know, I knew that my longer term career goal was to get into, you know, pre-sales, you know, technical sales type role. Um, And unbeknownst to me, you know, in, in my logic at that time, it made sense to me, you know, working with people, dealing with customers, you know, that kind of thing, a project management role made sense. You know, now fast forward 15 years and I have yet to hire an SE that came from a project management background. So I didn't know that I was creating kind of a unicorn, you know, uh, situation when I decided that this was a good path, but you know, it somehow ended up working for me. I still use those skills, that kind of thing. So um, I just, you know, I always think about that when I think about my career path. Um, 
But can yeah. I ask a quick question Absolutely. about that? Um, it, it is, it's always interesting because when we think about who we hire for these types of positions, you know, project management and juggling of multiple threads is always a skill that's important. Yet it's not necessarily something, you know, like you said, that we, we look for in the background of actual formal project management or, you know, you never see in these listings, you know, um, proficient with uh, MS project or, um, you know, you have to know what a Gantt chart is. Um, and almost in, in none of these trainings do we actually provide, like internally, do we provide project management training? Um, do you have a, you have a take on that? I know that's a, that's a wide open question, but you know, you mentioned project management. So. No, I, I think that they are skills that, um, that are important. Uh, but I think that, you know, just the level of, of capability is probably the, the thing. Cause, um, you know, you mentioned Gantt charts and MS project and things like that. If, if someone finds the the necessity to be so organized that um, you know that they use tools and tools like that drive drive them, then I think to me it might be a um, uh, it, it it might be a note of the fact that it's hard for them to uh, adapt to you know all the the requirements and reprioritizing that comes with a, a role like an se job does that make sense Have you guys experience the same thing yeah i would say you know the se job doesn't seem to be timeline driven mm -hmm. the same way you know maybe like we we use like a reverse timeline for the customer, right? If the customer has a requirement that a solution has to be deployed by a certain time, then we have to take that as a constraint and say, well, you know, to work backwards, you know, we need, we need to have all our technical validation done by this date or else, you know, you're just going to miss that, your, your, your date constraint. But at the same time, um, you know, we feel like we need to stay flexible, right? Yeah. Um, the the most valuable skill that um, I I think that helped me or project management helped me that I use today and I think whether people have a formal project management background or whether it's informal is you know I tell my team all the time that to a large extent their job is harder than mine because. You know they're leading a team a lot like a project manager but they're leading a team that where nobody reports to them they don't have any ability to hire fire determine who's on their team you know uh they, they've got to lead with the carrot they can't lead with the stick and so you know as a project manager i think a lot of those skills that allowed me to you know influence others and and lead a very disjointed team have helped me in in my career as an se and you know a lot of the more successful se's that i've seen in their careers do look at their job as you know you don't have to be a manager to lead people and, you know, those people or those SEs that see their job as leading a team of people focused on, you know, one goal with the customer at the heart of that, they're the ones that are the most successful. So 
I think that that part of project management stays true as an individual contributor in it, as an SE or in SE leadership. And in your case, you went into technical project management, not just uh, like a different industry completely, right? Yeah, yeah. I actually, I, um, I started at, at EMC um, way back, yeah, back in 2008. Uh, oh, no, it was even further back than 2008. 2006 is when I started. Wow. It makes me feel old. Um, that makes me feel old, but the four-year-old and eight-year-old in my living room don't. Well, you're not as old as John. Most people, most of our guests aren't. Wow. Shots fired. Oh, uh, no. I'll, I'll move on past that, John, so that uh, Nick doesn't uh, shoot another shot uh, at uh, your direction. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I started in technical project management, you know, and did that for two years with the, the ultimate goal and, and, you know, I gathered some skills while I was at uh, EMC as a project manager and found a, a way into, uh, I think we were called technical consultants back then, TCs. You know, it's funny how all the companies that don't call their SEs SEs, the acronym still sounds the same. TC, SC. You know, they, they all sound the same so that the customer knows, uh, you know, who we are because SE is just universal. But I was a TC at uh, EMC for a few years um, and I, maybe this is shots fired. Uh, I guess it doesn't matter because the company is now Dell. But, you know, actually now being a, a manager and a leader, um, I actually left EMC because... I knew that I didn't want to be a manager in that company. I was like, I, I can't do this. I can't do what these these managers have to do. And now looking back, I just know that it was just a different style. It, it like that style didn't fit me. Um, but I came to VMware to you know to to build on my career. I came for the career opportunities, and I've stayed because of the the culture and the ability to you know, to be who I am. And that's what encouraged me to move into people leadership. You know, I kind of, I thought that that was the next step, right? You know, I'm a, a, an individual contributor. Now I've got to be a manager. Um, it sounds like that was on your mind, even while you were an individual contributor at EMC though. Like if one of your reasons for leaving was you didn't think that you could be a manager in that organization, that implies you're already thinking about it at that point in your career. I, I, I think that's probably a fair uh, a fair thing, John. Like I think I'd probably I didn't know at that point in time. I don't think I knew that you could do it any differently. Uh, you know, I thought that's what you had to. That's how you had to be to be a manager. And then when I come over to VMware and I spent you know four years as a as a specialist SE and then a core SE, and I uh, I saw that you know all these these leaders that I worked for did things completely differently and I was like okay well maybe I do want to do that and realize that you know I got the most out of um, like I felt the best at my job when I was a specialist SE and contributed to you know the team win and that that kind of motivated me and you know drove me to uh finding a, a management job and I, I've been doing that since 
October of uh, of 2015. So it's been now, a did, great ride. Did someone at EMC, anyone, encourage you to pursue management? <laughs> uh, you, you said that you figured that was the next step, but I didn't know if that was because someone told you it was or you came to that realization on your own. No, I, I'll, I'll admit back then, uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure that I wouldn't have encouraged me to go into management. <laughs> so, no, nobody encouraged me to go into management. Um, uh, but no, it, it was... It was just the fact that, you know, the typical thing, career path, you're an individual contributor and then you become a manager. And, you know, now I'm lucky enough to be smarter than I was back then and realize that there's so many different ways, at least in the, you know, in, in, uh, you know, to, to remove that shot across the bow at EMC. I know more about Dell EMC as well. And there's, there's tons of opportunities at Dell EMC, at VMware, at almost any big company that has a great culture like these do, um, that there's tons of opportunities to be a leader without necessarily having to be a manager or be a people manager. It, it's just something that that I do enjoy people management, mentorship, you know, being being the, you know, that part of the team. Yeah, that's a, it's a really good point. I think um, you're pointing out that you know, maybe one way to judge a good organization to work for is whether or not they have a career path for individual contributors that doesn't involve managing people. Like, you know, well, I guess by definition, you stay an individual contributor, but you continue, you know, climbing the ladder of increased responsibility, increased scope of role, you know, those kinds of things and, and increased pay, obviously. Um, and if, if an organization doesn't have that, you know, then the only rule is to become a manager. And unless that's exactly what it is that you want to do, then you might want to rethink, you know, your that organization as a choice, um, you know, depending on how long you plan on being there, I guess. Right. No, I, I think that that's a, a, a great point, John. And, and you know, the, the, the thing that I think is interesting as well is depending on how you see your career going, it's not always, you know, up and to the right, like you would think of as a career ladder, right? You know, uh, I actually was talking to my team today about an opportunity that came up that, you know, is a, a, a diagonal move, you know, completely out of our org. And like, that's, I've, I've been lucky enough to, um, to have people on my team that, uh, on all of my teams, um, where, I want to make sure that we retain them at the company. So if they if they end up being um, in a place where they're bored and whether it's the customer or the technology or even me that can't keep them engaged and excited about their job, you know, I, I, I would I would much rather encourage them to find you know something that isn't in that up to up and to the right you know, normal career progression of an SE and find something else at the company so that they're happy you know at and stay at VMware. That makes a lot of sense. I think that um, you know that probably speaks to you know use quality manager. I, I would say that not every manager you know, Apocryphally, not every manager is like that, right? But you know, the more the higher quality of an organization that you're at, the more likely 
you know, that type of culture of management, you know, is set. And as a result, the more likely you run into that kind of attitude, probably. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. The culture, the culture of the organization helps drive whether that's something that you you can do, right? I mean, I, right. I wouldn't be, it wouldn't be possible for me to encourage somebody to take a role in a different organization if the overall culture of VMware didn't encourage that. Right, right. So maybe you could talk to us about that decision to, um, you know, go for a people management role at VMware. Um, was that, you know, a conscious decision that you prepared for for a couple of years or did it like slowly creep up on you and then you started to make changes or was it all of a sudden? Uh, it was definitely uh, a preparation. Um, I mean, at least you know, for me, which is one of the things that I encourage people that are trying to go into, you know, that they want to go for a management position. What was the most beneficial in preparation for me was, um, at, is the whole learning from, from failure. I, I think I interviewed, um, twice, uh, for two or three times, um, only, uh, only once for the role and failed that I really, really want and the uh, wanted, and the others were were in preparation. So, um, to 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 back up overall, you know, kind of as a, a, a my experience and what I encourage other people is to do when they're trying to go through this is make your intentions known, right? Until you until you get out there and actually interview for the first you know job and. Uh, and, and make it known that you, this is something that you want to do, you probably don't have people leaning in to mentor you near as much until you actually go through and do it. And that was kind of the catalyst for me um, was I went for that first one and um, it was an utter failure. And I learned a ton through that experience. I thought that the job was a lot different than what the job really is. And it was a an, an opportunity for me to mature in it, you know, to, to, to get more involved. People wanted to involve me and encourage me now since I, I, I made that known. But I think it was over the course of, of, of like nine, nine months, nine to 12 months that, that I prepared, you know, relatively intensely. Um, and, uh, you know, luckily VMware, uh, grows so fast that there's always some kind of opportunity coming up and uh, our organization grew so big that we ended up splitting the region and I took one geography and my old boss took the other geography. Oh, wow. Now, how did that conversation go with your boss when you made the intentions known? Because I'm assuming you did that before you took the interview. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I think that that's a... <laughs> that's usually the, the, the right thing to do. Right. Cause I, I think that's a, a really, really big, uh, big question or topic also, Nick, right. I've, I've been lucky and this is kind of, you know, um, kind of molded me as a manager, but I believe in having a lot of career conversations with the people on my team. And I think it's important to, um, 
to encourage transparency. Like I even encourage transparency. Like if you want to go interview for a job outside of VMware, interviewing is a skill and any skill you don't use, it's going to get dull. And so we've got to practice those skills. Now, I don't want you to actually get that job if it's outside of the company, you know, uh, but I do want you to be prepared for the, um, for the time that it does really matter to you to get it. So back to, I, I'd, I'd had the same, not, not that quite transparent with my boss at the time, but he had, uh, you know, he was very encouraging to, you know, to go after it. Uh, I knew that he would be very supportive and not only was he supportive of the, uh, of the interview, he was very, very supportive and key to, to helping me get the, the position when we split the region. So I think that, um, Making your intentions known to get that support uh, is is very very crucial. I don't know if this was something that I thought about before, but you mentioned a process of over nine, you know, maybe having a shock and then um, over a, a course of nine months, you know, really buckling down and preparing, and it just really triggered this memory of almost every single person that we've talked to that's gone after an advanced certification. You know, they like, you know, maybe had like an early, you know, realization of how hard it was going to be and how different it was from their expectations, you know, then buckled down and then, you know, kind of set out to have, you know, you know, more of a serious approach to, you know, getting that um, technical certification. And, and there's no real, uh, thing as like a career certification, right? But you almost really should be studying uh, for that new skill um, and set of knowledge the same way that you would study for a technical certification. I don't know if there's a question there, but it's just something that I thought of when you said you studied for nine months. You know, it, it, it kind of, to compare it to the certification, John, like the, the way that I see, uh, and actually, Nick, I think I, you and I have had this conversation before, the, the way that I, and maybe this explains why I see interviewing this way, but the way I've always done certification tests is I'm perfectly fine to go out and fail it the first time because then I know what the, the questions are going to be so that then I can prepare for, you know, the time that I, I really want to go and, uh, and, and, and ace the thing. So that's kind of the way that I saw the, the opportunity to, to learn what I needed to do to become, you know, a, a manager as well is I, 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 I let, let, let's say I bombed the test in the first interview, right? I didn't, I didn't know what I should be thinking about. I didn't know what my leadership philosophy was. I didn't know, you know, what, what, what I needed to be responsible for, for running the business. Like it, it really just wasn't the, the, the forefront of, of, you know, what I, I was, I was pretty sure I knew what to tactically do as a manager, but that was a small percentage um, and allowed me to bomb the test. But now I knew the questions and I knew what to pay attention to and I knew where I needed to learn over the course of the next nine to 12 months. And it allowed me to, you know, to get significantly better at, uh, at being ready to take the job because 
I, I mean, I don't know if everybody feels this way, but at least within the same company, I've always felt like when I've gotten the job, I was already kind of doing the job. You know what I mean? In, in some way, shape, or form, I was already doing pieces of the job, and then somebody allowed me to do it full time. Yeah, I've heard the same thing. I, I was just curious, uh, you know, once you realized the things you needed to do after hearing what the questions were like, what sources did you seek out for help? Was it people inside the company, outside the company, books, networking, all the above? Uh, mostly networking and mentorship inside the company. Uh, me. Now, I wouldn't encourage that. I think that you're, I think I was a little short-sighted, right? I think that um, it's important to take a look at it and and spread that mentorship, uh, you know, and, and, you know, out as wide as you possibly can. Uh, you know, I, I highly respect the people that are able to, you know, keep up with that network because I'm not good at that. I, that's just something that I, I know I need to be better at. Uh, even, even if you talk to my friends from college, they'll be like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's not something Brad's good at. So uh, it, it unfortunately is a, 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 a thing that is, I'm not highly skilled at in my career as well. So um, I stayed very close to the people that, uh, you know, were part of my every day and got mentorship from them. Um, and that's the way I did it. It was enough, but I don't think it's the best way to do it. So having made the jump to manager, uh, were there any lessons learned once you started doing the job that you had only done pieces of? Like, oh, wow, this is actually something people managers do that I could never realize until I did it. Uh, you mean like... Uh... Are, are you are you asking directly for tasks or just lessons learned in in the first you know six months? Yeah, lessons learned in the first six months, like the the shock of oh okay, this is actually what I have to do. Um, yeah. So I would say that um, the biggest thing that I learned um, in the first <laughs> the first six months is hiring is really 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 important <laughs> uh, my my uh, my first uh, my first hire um, I, I, I kind of rushed uh, into and hadn't developed my process yet and um, especially when uh, your leadership philosophy is like mine where you know, trust but verify you know the the, the they're the experts I, I i'm not a i'm not a super se kind of se manager that's that's not me um you know so it, you you can't really have that strategy if you don't hire the best and and i unfortunately you know took some bad advice from different people and my process wasn't honed at that point in time so um, I now understand why uh, hiring processes can be brutal as a manager, as someone who's an interviewer, or for interviewees. Um, it's really, really tough. Um, how, how much goes into that and how emotional it is uh, was something that I don't think I was prepared for. Uh, some other lessons learned. Um, 
I'm very no, cool. no, no, no. We're, we're going to talk about that. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's no, that, John just there. found the rabbit hole. He wanted to jump okay. down. No, that's fascinating. The, the, the emotional toll that it can take. Um, I, I think that most people in their lives, you know, there's a smaller fraction of people that ever are managers who have to hire. Um, and even of those, not everybody, ha- you know, works at an organization that has to have like as rigorous a process as like some, you know, the enterprise companies that we work for. So maybe you can, you know, talk about that. You know, I think that, you know, people don't understand why the hiring process is as, you know, as you said, brutal as it is, you know, you, um, somebody, you know, HR person reaches out to you and says, Hey, I want to, you know, you look good. You know, we do a phone screen. I'm going to get you to a hiring manager. And then you don't hear from them for, you know, three weeks. And then you, you actually do have the interview and it's like, great. We're going to get back to you by the end of the week. And you don't hear that from them for three or four weeks. Uh, you know, there's people just assume that there's like malice in that sometimes. Right. Um, but behind the scenes, there's, it sounds like there's quite a lot going on. And maybe if people n- know and understand, you know, they would de-stress about it a little bit more. Yeah. And, and you know, th- there's, there's two big pieces of it that I wish that I could, you know, anybody that's interviewing, you know, anywhere, uh, I w- and, and I wish that they could understand two big pieces of it. Um, and the first is, um, like if you get an if you get an interview and you get to go through the process, you should feel good about the fact that okay, I can do the job. You wouldn't be you know down the process if you couldn't do the job. Uh, like and and what I mean by that is that the it's not the person that gets the job isn't the only one that can do it. The person that ends up getting the job is the person that's best fit for that that unique situation. They're 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 the best. They're the cream of the crop. They're they're the top. So, you know, while it is just you know emotional to get that, no, you aren't selected. Um, you know, and and I don't think there's anything that I can say that you know is going to help anybody with that emotional roller coaster. Uh, just just remember that this isn't like, oh, I need to hire an SE. Any old SE you'll do. Like I'm I'm hiring specifically for a situation where, you know, I know how that person needs to fit on the team. I know, you know, what kind of business we need to run with these customers. Are they very strategic? Are they tactical? Do we have a good relationship? Do we have a bad relationship? Like we're analyzing it to that point. So, you know, just uh, remember that just because you weren't awarded the job doesn't mean that anybody on that team, on that hiring team thinks that you can't do it. Does that help? Yeah, that really helps. I've never actually heard that before. So that's really good advice, Brad. I appreciate that. So then the other thing, which ties in as well, in my opinion, and John, I, I'm, I'm with you about the time, man. The, the weeks that go by are just brutal. It is awful. And um, I had one process that drug on for like three and a half months. And shout out to the SE that, that stuck with me there because he was the right person for the job. And I, it just, 
it, it process after process after process. Um, anyways, things got crazy. But the reason that I run my process the way that I do is because um, being a part of a team and leading that team is really crucial at the way that we the way that we do things at VMware, especially for you know the the segments that I, I hired in before in enterprise and now that I'm hiring in for for globals. You have to lead that team and everybody has to be invested in following you. So my process includes, you know, the the salespeople that you're going to be paired with, the sales manager that you're going to be paired with, other SEs on the team, because my belief is that if those people are invested in picking you, then they're also going to be invested in your success, which is going to make you successful. So it, it, it's it's difficult to get all those people aligned to let everybody who should have a tidbit in, in saying you're the guy. It's It takes time to get all that done, but I believe that you're going to be more successful if all these people feel like they have their stamp of approval on you. Then they're invested in you and they want to be invested in your success and see you do well. That makes a lot of sense. I can completely understand, you know, a process that basically aligns the stakeholders and that person's success with, you know, helping to choose that the person who's going to fill that role. And I can also see how that would take, you know, more time than just, you know, one person saying, yeah, I think this is the right person. Boom. You know, as if there are no other stakeholders, including, you know, the manager's manager, right? Or including the person that they're going to be working with on a day-to-day basis like that. It almost doesn't make sense to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And if you're out there listening, you need to understand that the process would likely not be as thorough or as long at a smaller company. doesn't mean it couldn't be. It's just less likely. Yeah. I think that it's that whole thing is more important the more matrix the organization is, too. To your point, Nick, smaller companies typically don't have that massive matrix, uh, you know, relationship where big companies like VMware... Google, EMC, Amazon, you've got specialists upon specialists that help make you successful. And, you know, everybody that can put a rubber stamp on you and be invested in your success is now following you uh, a lot more. Interesting. Thanks a lot for that insight. Yeah. Here's a question, Brad. So after you learn these lessons and get a feel for what a manager does and Hey, is this really what I wanted now that I have it? How do you determine if the people you manage would be appropriate for a management career path, even if maybe they never thought about it? Um, you know, I think that the, the fundamental of, of that question, Nick, is I feel that my role in as as a, as a manager as a as a leader in in someone's development plan is to empower the plan that they have put together and provide them insight in in how to accomplish their goals so the reason i lead off with that is the fact that um I'm really, I'm not going to encourage anybody on my team to go into management unless they've come to me and shown interest in it. So that to me is the first gate. Um, And then they show interest in it. I'm going to help them put together a plan 
uh, and, and share, you know, here's how I went about it. Um, and it was very powerful for, for me. Uh, you, the first thing you need to do is talk to other people about their journey. And then we'll talk about what you want to put together and I'll help you go do all those things. And, you know, let's give some examples of what that plan might include. You know, maybe it's some some training classes on how to be a people manager, right? I, I took one of those before I went into people management. It was great validation. Oh, okay, I kind of do know what I'm talking about. Um, you know, uh, it wasn't it wasn't a training to get me there. It was more of a, okay, I should show some confidence in what I'm, I'm doing. So maybe that's something that we'll put into the plan. Maybe something that we'll put into the plan is, you know, uh, I think a lot of SEs suffer from, especially in a big company, people don't know exactly who they are or what they want to do. So we've got to go on a, 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 some type of brand building journey. You know, like, why does my boss's boss need to know you? And what do they need to know about you? What are you good at? You know, those kind of things. Because what I think in a management, especially if you're moving from an individual contributor to your first management job, you, you, it's, it's, it's better for your success if uh, you're kind of handpicked for that role because of certain skills and certain things about you that people know, right? For this, th this role as a perfect, for instance, the reason that I was kind of um, picked to move into this globals role is because uh, we're repairing relationships and focusing on white space and under penetration in some of the accounts that, that I'm focused on. And so applying some of the principles, um, you know, that we've, we've applied in, in more enterprise size accounts are going to be very, very valuable. And, and that's kind of become my, my brand is I'm kind of a process guy. I'm a, let's take best practices and, and recreate them in, in a bunch of other places. So that's part of my brand. So someone told my new boss, hey, this guy might be good for this. And that's how I, I, I lucked into, you know, even getting an interview uh, for this role. So circle back, you know, land the plane to where we were going is I think that, it, you know, all those different things, brand building, training, opportunities to to showcase you know doing the job before you're actually doing the job is part of that plan that you need to build I'm going to help you build and then you're going to give me tasks to go do to uh, you know to, to empower you on that so I think I see that's so that that's my role as the manager I don't do a lot of mentoring and coaching because I think that anybody that wants to do this kind of has to has to has to figure that out on their own sounds a little callous but i think it's the best way to learn well it sounds like your process is a bit of a sniff test in and of itself to see if that's what they really want yeah i i, I think you're right i hate to think of it that way because uh to me it seems that i'm not encouraging and i'm not coaching and i'm not you know out for the best of them i'm waiting for them to do something on their own 
But I kind of think that we all need to do that in our career, right? We got to find what we want and and grab it and and chase after it. And uh, I'm here to I'm I'm going to run right beside you. But if I don't know where you want the finish line to be, I don't know how to help you lay out that path. Well, it also. You know, just to go back, it didn't sound like you were saying that you weren't coaching and weren't mentoring. What maybe I'm just clarifying, you weren't encouraging people to to pursue this specific line of of moving their career forward. Like in general, you said you are having lots of career discussions, right? But maybe pushing somebody and suggesting that that they go this specific way is not really something that you do. Now, am I hearing you correctly there yeah you put it much better than i did i kind of jumped down in the rabbit hole and ran around a little bit you uh you said it much more concisely john thank you <laughs> that that's my brand that's okay <laughs> that implies i think in my mind that you're cultivating an open and honest relationship and encouraging uh the people that you're managing to have that um um aspirational discussion with you like as uh so you have to cultivate um a safe relationship right for them to say hey i don't want to work for you forever right because that's a difficult thing to say to your manager who holds your you know performance review in their hands right yeah that's a good point um and and to that point i haven't had any serious career development discussions with anybody on my new team and i've i've been in this new role for 9 weeks and i told them up front i was like look guys i don't i don't think that i can really coach you or mentor you or encourage you to do anything until we've got a personal relationship so i'm not even going to schedule our career development conversations for at least the first two months. You know, right now is kind of that renewed career development conversation time at, at VMware where everybody's like, oh yeah, I need to put together IDPs, um, individual development plans, sorry, company of acronyms. Um, and, you know, some people scramble to do all that. And I just told my team, look, I, I, I take those seriously and we're not doing them until I have a personal relationship with you guys. Then we'll get on it and it will be something that we talk about. Um, uh, every, I, I do it every six weeks with my team outside of the one-on-one -on -one, so that it does, to your point, John, encourage that, uh, that open and honest relationship where we're talking about career goals, career goals only, and not just career goals, but, you know, monetarily as well what are your expectations what do you need to you know to, to continue to be here and feel valued wow yeah you really need to be able to feel safe in order to 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 talk about that right yeah yeah most definitely and i think you know some of the conversations you and i have had brad because i have worked for you full disclosure <laughs> about career is kind of a, hey, here are the directions I see as possibilities for me in the next step in my career. What's your feedback on my qualities and whether you think I'd be fit for that? That's that's a perfectly okay question to, to ask your manager because they're going to have a different insight than you might of yourself. It's, it's good to get that feedback. It, it was when I asked Brad, anyway. Yeah, I remember those. Uh, I remember those conversations fondly, Nick. I, I hope that uh, I hope they were always positive for you, my friend. Yeah, always good for sure. 
They're like, no, no, I don't think so. Yeah, he because we were, usually, we were usually eating sushi, so yeah, it was good. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you mentioned in, uh, in the spectrum of promotions, a lot of times uh, the person's boss's boss needs to know their brand. How, how do you help someone understand how their boss's boss thinks so your boss Oh, um, you mean like how they think, you know, I think especially when you're talking about brand, um, typically, uh, you're dealing with, it's kind of like a net promoter score, uh, you know, right. And the reason I bring that up is because, um, neutral is almost just as bad as bad. Um, you know, usually you're dealing with uh, a lack of brand as opposed to a negative brand. Um, and so, you know, I think that, I think that's the way you have that conversation to let them, you know, you have the conversation around brand and just ask, uh, you know, what, what do you think other people, uh, think of when they hear your name? What do you want them to think of when, when they, when they, uh, when they hear your name? You know, what do you want them to, to think that your, your career goals are? Um, it, it's, it's relatively easy in my mind when you think of it that way because moving from neutral to positive in a brand situation is um, it's, it's not that difficult if you have done the work. If you, you know, if I ask someone, what do you want your brand to be? And they don't really know. Or, well, what do we need to tell people about you, you know, that that will encourage them to think of you the way that, you, you know, you want to be thought of? You know, if you want to be a thought leader, what thought leadership initiatives have you taken on to, you know, to be recognized as a thought leader? And if it's crickets, then it's actually, it actually helps with that development conversation, right? I, I did, I don't have to point out to you that you're not doing something, you just found it out on your own. You just answered the question on your own. So I, I don't think that's actually the question that you that you asked, but in a roundabout way, maybe I'm answering. So, you know, I, I think that instead of telling, you know, that person what my boss, uh, what they need to, what my boss needs to think about them, just turn it around on them. What do you want them to think? Like, what do you think, equals doing a good job and then the conversation starts creating itself because that person will will kind of realize where their gaps are and if they're too stubborn to realize it then then it sets other wheels in motion that might be might be better as well Wow, Nick, uh, I didn't want to break in there uh, for the uh, episode break, but uh, we got to save some of that uh, explosive energy for next week. I, I really enjoyed hearing about Brad's career journey, but you know how he was preparing for uh, manager 
interviews was was really interesting too. Yeah, if you notice and listen carefully, John shared some interesting epiphanies during this episode, and he'll share some in the next episode. But yeah, that's a great point. One of my favorite parts of that episode, John, was when he talked about how the hiring process is just really hard, and you don't realize how challenging it is until you have to do it. He spoke to some challenges early on, but he also pointed out some great nuggets for people who might be in the hiring process, whether it's short or lengthy, and some things that frustrate us. And especially the nugget about you may not have been selected for the job, but if you went deep in the process, that doesn't mean that the people who interviewed you didn't think you couldn't do the job. Absolutely. You know, that that nugget of like they thought that you could do the job and they're just choosing between, you know, the, the top candidates that they think are, are all, you know, um, go-getters. So I, very, very, uh, very insightful. I actually hadn't uh, connected those dots before. And I liked Brad's sniff test as to whether people really want to do what they say from a career perspective, the way he forms individual development plans for people um, who want to go in a certain direction. I like that. I'm really looking for that like 100% like say do ratio. So that's, that's, that's what I'm looking for. It's, it's one of my, the favorite things that I, I want to hear. Right. And when John becomes a people manager, that'll be his philosophy. Absolutely. So, so look for that when he moves up the chain. Yep. I guess we should probably get out of here with that one, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Anything else uh, before we do that? Or no. No. you? Nope. Just a reminder, we want people to subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter, at NerdJourney. All right. Farewell, listeners. Tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm John White, at BJourneyman, for Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore, signing off. Adios. Adios.